I, I would say that, you know, based on statistics uh, that we keep collecting, I, I, more than 50% of the uh, incidents are based on insiders. And, and mm -hmm. actually, shockingly, sometimes insiders within the security team. Tonight, the North Korean hackers going even further. This was just the latest in a series of leaks. 143 million Americans, one of the largest cyber attacks in this country's history. Estimated losses from these breaches in excess of $20 billion. Hello and welcome to Decrypted, your cybersecurity podcast for the everyday person. I'm your friendly neighborhood cyberman, Jacob Besida, and I'm joined by my cyber partner in crime, Dayton Williams. This week, we speak a little bit about hardware security issues and how that has changed during the pandemic. Today, we'll be speaking with Yossi Applebaum, who founded Sepio Systems in 2016 and is a veteran of, of the Israeli intelligence community. Yossi has 25 years of experience in security, networking, and computer science and control systems, along with a wide range perspective on cybersecurity threats and unique security solutions. In 1998, he co-founded WebSilicon, a company dedicated to delivering advanced networking and security systems for government agencies, integrators, and vendors worldwide. So let's jump into the interview to hear a little bit more. So today we're here with Yossi Applebaum, and we're be going to be discussing a area of hardware security. Mostly, we're going to be discussing this in the context of the pandemic and how that is reshaping how people need to consider about hardware security. But before we really get into that, uh, Yossi, could you kind of define what a hardware infrastructure attack is? Yes. Uh, well, first, uh, thank you for your time and having me today here. So, uh, no, hardware infrastructure attack consists on I would say three legs. And uh, the first one is, you know, eventually altering innocent looking devices to become ROG. Uh, and ROG device is evil. So uh, we have plenty of examples around that. We can uh, get back to the examples in a second. The second one, the second leg is ex exploiting known device vulnerabilities. A couple of weeks ago, there was a big story in the news about uh, the Razer gaming mouse. Uh, uh, which is an innocent device used by many gamers, uh, but eventually someone found a way to alter uh, the device behavior by uh, being able to uh, eventually attack Windows machines uh, by some known vulnerability. And the third one is uh, deploying uh, many-in-the-middle attack kits or attack devices that are mostly running as invisible uh, devices uh, below the radar of uh, traditional cybersecurity tools or platforms. Uh, and, and these three legs are eventually uh, uh, being, uh, as, uh, being used uh, by bad actors, uh, mainly uh, in order to attack organizations. Now, we need to understand how it is being bought also. Uh, and there are three, uh, again, three, uh, examples for that. First, there's the insiders. And insiders are, of course, the employees of the organization. But uh, insiders can be someone that get an access inside the organization as visitor, you know, integrators and many other of them. And these two, by the way, can be divided to evil or innocent that are socially engineered. And, and of course, the third option here is supply chain. Uh, which is uh, becoming a, 
broader uh, by criminal organizations in the last uh, several years also. And, and, and again, when talking to experts in the industry, not always they consider uh, outdoor supply chain, even though it's the traditional and the most common one uh, as a threat, but uh, it is of course being uh, used by uh, criminals uh, uh, in order to infiltrate organization by bringing uh, manipulated or altered devices into the organization. So on the subject of those sort of three mechanisms for how infected hardware devices get into a network, you, you mentioned, um, you know, you had insiders that could maliciously or unknowingly, just for our audience's sake, you know, when you say unknowingly, how would how would something like that happen? Would it be just like a flash drive dropped in a parking lot sort of situation? Is, is that what you mean by that? Yeah, that's the common uh, uh, method. And it's funny that even though everyone now knows that the human nature brings us all to let's just check and see what's there. Uh, but we have multiple incidents in the last several years. And in actually just in the last several months, we had a couple of uh, really, you know, I, I would give them uh, the bad actors the credit of really running in into a really, uh, you know, sophisticated uh, uh, social engineer campaigns and uh, knocking on people's door. Everyone works from home now. Uh, and, and eventually targeting specific uh, person uh, by bringing in some gift as a promotion uh, by a vendor or by a service provider in his area. And they did it, uh, you know, one incident I remember, remember that was really, really fantastic. They knocked on doors of all the neighbors uh, in order for, uh, you know, giving the comfort if that guy was looking outside the window or he will talk to someone and they say, yeah, we got it also. They didn't care about the neighbors, of course, but that specific person of interest uh, was uh, getting that device. Thanks God, uh, they had the, thanks God and thanks, thanks us, uh, they had Sepio deployed and we caught that uh, specific attack tool, which was not a thumb drive. But again, a thumb drive is by far uh, the weapon of choice in social engineering. Yeah, so um, you mentioned that Sepio helped to detect these hidden devices. Um, what makes these devices hidden, right? And how does Sepio help to detect them and to protect uh, the consumers? So a, a rogue device has, a, let's call it extra functionality. So let's talk about thumb drive. A thumb drive a, a, is you know, storage device, right? So we expect a thumb drive to behave as a storage device. You can write data in, you can read data from it. But first, uh, let's start by that, that uh, many organizations have policies that said you cannot connect detachable media like thumb drives to your work computers unless, first period, and some may say unless it is corporate issue. So that's an example where Sepio uh, can come and enforce policy, not just rely on education, which is important, but literally enforce policy by blocking uh, something like that. And of course, uh, alerting uh, in case someone is trying to do that. But that's the simple way. The more sophisticated way 
uh, will be around uh, what is now called bed USB, for example. So that innocent looking thumb drive is way more than that. It can inject uh, keystrokes, like literally typing in uh, as a user to your machine, running scripts, creating uh, quite sophisticated attacks, uh, including ransomware, data leakage attacks, and, and many other. Uh, in these cases, we see a thumb drive, and of course, the extra functionality, as I called it, that doesn't work uh, or that is not aligned with what we expect from a thumb drive to, uh, to perform. And then, of course, uh, alerting and blocking. There are way more uh, complex scenarios than that, but I think this gives a good uh, sense of what I'm talking about. So are most of these rogue devices, you know, when you're trying to trace them for like the average firm, you know, is it usually something that's found like after a investigation of a hack is, is basically this trying to push it towards a detection that's a little bit earlier on in the incident management process itself? Yes. So, you know, our entire focus and our uh, belief is that attacks uh, in terms of hardware at least can be blocked by detecting existence of device or connectivity of device uh, and not waiting for the activity to start. Uh, and, and that actually, again, going back to the question about what Secure is doing is the, the, be the behavior of our solution is uh, focused, or actually the logics behind that is focused on detecting existence of devices. I don't care if that potential uh, attack tool uh, will start uh, doing something bad in one second, one hour, one day, or so on. As long as it is connected, it is enough for us to uh, to uh, enforce the policy, regardless of what is the policy. So, in terms of uh, origin of like attacks, for you know, just you're trying to give a sense to our audiences about you know the realistic nature of this as, a, as an attack vector, how prevalent are rogue devices as an origin infection versus, say, just me trying to hack into your um, systems from the internet, you know, no, no hardware device? Well, uh, you know, there are way more phishing email attacks uh, than uh, hardware-based attacks. Uh, it's much easier to send emails. But what would be the outcome of that? In most cases, uh, uh, when someone attacks you, not I'm not talking about the neighbor's son that want to make a point, but literally if someone wants to attack a corporate, uh, the, the reason for that is one or two or three of the following. One, they want to get the, your data. The second one, they may want to arm you, uh, you know, stop activity. We, uh, uh, we are working in hospitals, for example, or uh, with some government. Uh, and, the, and the third one is eventually a totally a disaster or destruction of your organization. And of course, uh, there is a combination in between. So when you get a rogue device or hardware-based attack, they gain the ability to get there for a very long time. And, and, and that's uh, always the challenge uh, with a internet-based attacks, because eventually you're running in someone's network. Uh, someone will find you eventually. They will be able to, most probably, to trace how it happened. Maybe it would take time, but eventually they will learn, they will stop uh, that of happening, and if it's a, a 
decent organization that uh, shares information, many other organizations will benefit of that. But in outward, you never know uh, unless you have uh, uh, the right tools, it's there. Even if you'll find it eventually, you'll never find uh, who brought it in most cases, for how long it was there. Unless you have tools, you really, really don't have not just the clue uh, of it's there, but even after finding it, we have plenty of customers that uh, came to us after uh, being attacked. Uh, and thanks God, we have plenty of customers that came in the right time, but the ones that were under attack or uh, after attack, we could stop the attack. And of course we did that, but they didn't know and we couldn't help in providing enough information about what was taken because it's not running in your network. So number of attacks based on internet, way bigger. Damage based on uh, outdoor devices potentially can be way bigger and way longer. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think one of the most notorious uh, hacks involving hardware devices was Stuxnet, I believe. It was just a, like a flash drive. So, I mean, it's definitely the capabilities for hardware intrusion are pretty profound. So uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm really curious about is that you mentioned earlier that, oh, it's so much easier to send an email or, you know, try to uh, fish somebody and, and, you know, get access to whatever kind of data that, that you can by, by tricking an employee. And one of the, I think the, the outgrowths of that is that it's, it's the ability for malicious actors around the world to target different businesses, I guess, and specifically in the United States context is, is very broad, but in regards to like a specific hardware attack, there needs to be some dimension of like physical proximity, right? Like you need to be close to be able to make that happen. So Absolutely. I'm curious, how does that drive the kind of attackers, the kind of org like the kind of organizations targeted, you know, what's driving this form of attack vector? Well, you know, we are working on, even though, you know, we believe that our solution is uh, uh, capable of bringing security to every organization, eventually uh, we are focused on specific uh, verticals and, and, and each one of them has its own story, but needless to say why government should be interested in that and it is. Uh, but, uh, you know, when talking about commercial uh, use cases, uh, you know, we listed 25 different use cases. The most important one is around a, a, the lack of visibility. You know, you expect security teams to secure the organization without knowing what they have. So uh, uh, now back to your question, you know, in, 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 in that way is that uh, in healthcare, for example, uh, think about you, going to visit in an hospital, not God forbid as a patient, but just going there. The access to outdoor in hospital is bigger than in any other vertical, uh, just because of you getting in and you have immediate access to so many devices around you. Uh, and each one of them, or most of them are connected to the organization in a way. And each one of them eventually has a, an ability to uh, cause harm just because of that. So connecting and, you know, I every time I'm, uh, and I had, uh, unfortunately, some family members that, you know, eventually I had to visit several hospitals, 
hospitals, uh, I was, you know, just thinking about the potential damage I can do to such organization just by sitting there for several hours. Now, a great example is financial institutions. And again, you go to visit your branch of the bank. Some of them are so loosely secured, physically secured, that you can easily gain uh, access to their uh, machines, to their hardware computers, for example. And, and not to mention the use case of work from home that now everyone uh, is considering to, to be stayed for at least a very longer time than expected. Uh, yes, you need a proximity, but uh, as I remember one of the CISOs of the largest banks, uh, one of the largest banks in New York said, well, you know, before COVID, I had a, a guard, a, you know, tens of guards in my building to uh, protect me against people like you, you see. But now you can knock on one of our 25,000 people working from home on, on their door and convince them to give you an access to their computer because you are the you know, service provider of choice uh, coming to upgrade their network. Uh, and, and, and it works. It's not James Bond stories anymore, unfortunately. And, and it's so easy and, and so accessible that the number is keep going. So it seems that a lot of the cases you're illustrating are more uh, people slipping in devices that are from outside organizations rather than insider threats. Have you, I mean, I know that attribution of these particular cases is quite difficult as you already alluded to, but um, does it really, so it seems to you that most of these hardware intrusions are coming from outsiders who are uh, basically exploiting poor physical security practices. That seems to be the case. No, uh, that's the easy to explain. Uh, we have, ah, I see. Uh, I, I would say that, you know, based on statistics uh, that we keep collecting, I, I, more than 50% of the uh, incidents are based on insiders. And, and mm -hmm. actually, shockingly, sometimes insiders within the security team. So uh, thanks God, it, none of these happened in the US, uh, uh, but we have activities in other uh, countries. And, and, and eventually insiders within a uh, 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 organization uh, have quite quite good access to you know bringing outward or uh, switching outward uh, uh, if you follow uh, uh, the posts and the marketing uh, uh, videos we are doing each one of them even the animations are based on real stories real real incidents we made them some some of them comics we make some of them of course uh, changed but we had incidents around uh, smart TVs. We had incidents from, uh, you know, black boxes that were uh, put inside financial institutions in line to a printer. So everything that was printed was, ex, you know, exfiltrating out below the radar of their network security. So insiders uh, is a significant part of that. Absolutely. Sorry for. No, no, it's no, that's fine. I, I just wanted to clarify on that. I mean, yeah, there's just so many like physical attack services, when, especially as an insider, do you think I, this is getting a little bit, you know, more less away from like the technical side of things, but, you know, do you think that the appeal of this more insider hacking is because it's harder to catch these people? What, if that's the case, like, what is the best way to address it? Is it through like, I don't know, uh, employee incentives that prevent them to, you know, want to stay loyal? Is it for more 
you know, traceable technologies like what your firm is doing? Like what, what is the solution to like this insider threat, this prolific insider threat problem? Well, first, uh, as we all know, and you are, uh, uh, I'm sure, familiar with that, there is no one solution for anything. Uh, you know, clearing people is important. I'm, you know, my roots is from the Israeli intelligence. Uh, clearing people is part of the game, and it's a significant part of the game. You don't start with someone that you don't trust. And I'm sure, I'm not sure, I know that many organizations do the same, even, you know, of course, financial institutions uh, are doing something like that. But it's not enough because what you know about the employee is what you found. And uh, for sure, there is more than you know. And in addition to that, people change. And people change because, you know, incident number one example, example number one, people start to hate their uh, job. People start to hate their uh, uh, workplace and uh, the pandemic made it worse. Uh, so that's one thing. The other, uh, uh, let's call it an uh, example, is that uh, criminal organizations are uh, bringing their own people inside uh, organization, inside uh, financial institutions, for example. We had an incident in, in, in outside the US again, uh, that uh, eventually a criminal organization was able to bring several people inside a bank. So the incident was about uh, finding rogue devices, but uh, the big story was that criminal organization within that bank. Uh, and that's a different story. Uh, we know sometimes more details than other, not always they share with us, but uh, uh, in that case, it was enlightening. Uh, so there's no one solution. Uh, the solution should be, you know, clearing, training, and technical uh, technology uh, uh, in the same time. Uh, and we, I believe that what Sepio is doing is trying to help in the technology uh, side of that. Uh, going back to what you were saying about this, uh, the amount of people working from home impacting hardware security. Um, it seems that like the decentralization of the workforce means that it's a lot harder to police and secure people, uh, for, you know, who could be all over the country, even all over the world, right? So is is this simply a one-edged, like, is, is this a simple, like, one-edged sort? Are there any positives to having a decentralized workforce in regards to hardware security? Or is it all, like, negative and uh you know, or, or, or conversely, have the malicious actors just simply adapted and now are, you know, it's, it's hog heaven, so to speak. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, we moved uh, in Sepio to work from home uh, twice, first at the beginning of the pandemic, and just lately we started to work hybrid uh, in, in, in different locations. And, and we had that question also. Uh, and, and I'm talking to many of uh, the people around us, uh, customers, partners, and so on, and trying to realize what they think about that. And there's no, again, there's no one answer. Uh, pandemic as pandemic brought us to work from home, and it becomes the new normal, as they now call it, uh, or, you know, hybrid. And, and the problem is that, uh, yes, there is less police. And, uh, but let's be fair. Many organizations one day call their employees and say, hey, don't come to the office anymore. Use your existing hardware. We'll ship you some hardware. Go and here's $1,500. Go to Best Buy or Amazon or whatever and buy stuff. 
guess what? In that day, uh, bad actors were not sitting uh, in the dark crying. They were working really hard in order to gain access to these organizations through these news. Uh, and we have uh, more people than you can imagine uh, aware of that uh, and, 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 and dealing with that on a daily basis. Uh, so that's one thing. We created a report at the beginning, uh, you know, three months uh, into the pandemic, uh, based on data we collected from, uh, let's call it friendly customers, uh, that showed increase, dramatically increase, like 3x within three months of unknown devices connected to people's uh, corporate computers. Now, 3x is leap. It's not growth. Uh, and, 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 and many organizations say, well, what do you mean by that? We mean that you really don't know what will strike and when and how. And, and, and again, back to the Razor Mouse uh, story from several weeks ago, we had calls from new customers that said, hey, by the way, do you think we should be aware of that? Do we, it's a gaming mouse, why it's relevant for us? Because we sent an email to all of our customers. So we worked with them and we found more than 10 mouses like that being used by our customers. Now, is it bad? Well, it's for them to judge, but uh, again, back to the visibility, lack of visibility. Yeah, I mean, three times is quite quite a shift for sure. It- I mean, I, I think for sure there's an element of just people connecting devices they probably just had at their house, not even, you know, not even necessarily an intentious, malicious intent. But yeah, you, you, as you saw, you had some of those um, those mouses, those mice, those gamer mice uh, that probably were just the people's mice that they use for their regular work or their regular, I'm sorry, like their regular computer at home. So yeah, that's, it seems like this has opened up a lot of areas for potential vectors uh, unintentionally. So but um, I actually also am curious about some of the other pandemic effects on hardware security. And we've, we've spoken a little bit about this, gotten a little background of what you, I've had some thoughts on this from you. But um, so how is the pandemic kind of changing, you know, people's approach to hardware security for like uh, institutions like hospitals or enterprises? How is it affecting things like that? Like the physical access to the building? Yeah, hospitals is a actually different than anything else. Actually, maybe pharma is similar to that, but cybersecurity for hospitals, and I, 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 I would start by saying sorry to my friends in the hospital industry, uh, was not as important as it is starting the pandemic. You know, hospitals became crucial to the national security. Uh, and as such, they became very, very interesting for criminals. So more budgets, more awareness, and, and, and more incidents brought uh, hospitals in no time to jump from uh, sometimes behind to be become, you know, from behind the curve to ahead of the curve in terms of security. Of course, there are amazing hospitals that were secured from years ago and, and did a very good job in that. But generally speaking, healthcare was under uh, spent in terms of uh, cybersecurity for too many years, not just here in the US, by the way. And, and what we learn uh, together uh, uh, with our partners is that it cannot stay like that. So hospital is based on hardware. There is almost no other example of organization, which is so much depends on its outer devices. Think about that. 
hospital without outer and it's not just the computer and the mouse and all of that it's the oxygen machines it's the x-ray machines it's the so many devices there unbelievable amount of devices many of them by the way are uh, old many of them are unfortunately cannot be patched uh, and 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 because of that uh, it goes back to uh, the need to do something radical in the way they secure uh, themselves and us all of us uh, against the outcome of uh, outdoor manipulation and and eventually taking off hospital uh, uh, without looking into the outdoor is almost uh, as easy as you can bring the again the neighbor's son to play there because many devices there are widely open to manipulation so um speaking of like radical solutions um i'm really curious what's next for sepio you know so without having us sign ndas or anything um what kind of like new advancements and research and development is sepio working towards well uh maybe it's uh, you'll be the first to note so we are going to announce uh, really really soon uh, the opening of sepio labs as part of the growth of the company and 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 the reason we're doing it is because we don't know everything we learn a lot from our partners we learn a lot from criminals uh, we sit there quietly and listen to them and tap into discussions uh, in the darknet for example and we actually put our hands on uh, attack tools i hope they won't stop us now but we spend you know my cfo don't like us to spend so much money on attack tools but eventually that's the way we learn uh, we, we came from the approach that says every device uh, every outward device is our problem sepio should address the risk that is coming from that device and as such uh, we increase all the time uh, the span of uh, supported interfaces the span of supported uh, devices but most important and maybe that's the most important one is we listen to our customers we listen to our partners we see what's the trends and we try to be ahead of the curve so we cannot sign on nda as you mentioned but uh, i would say that we start to see a uh, more sophisticated attacks and we need to remember that our based attacks uh, were and still the weapon of choice of countries and governments are using that it's not a secret you can find that in the in the internet uh, attack tools like that forever uh, what became new in the last 5 6 7 years is that more and more criminals are putting their hands on these i would call strategic uh, attack tools uh, and and strategic cyber weapons and being able to uh, uh, use them against way less sophisticated uh, targets than governments and in most cases they really don't know what strike them so uh, what next is a uh, the attacks become sophist- more sophisticated and we become uh, you know more uh, bolder in the way we address them well you see thank you for helping to elucidate these sort of hardware infrastructure attacks and what can kind of be done to mitigate them 
Uh, we really appreciate having you on the podcast to help with that. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, I hope it helps some people to realize what's behind the wood. Before we go, is there anything that you would like us to uh, link to or anything you'd like our audience to know? Yes. So, uh, you know, Sepio is spending a lot of effort on educating the market and educating the uh, the people that are not aware uh, fully to uh, what is outdoor attacks. Uh, follow our LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and website. Uh, uh, I'm sure you can find it in Google easily, Sepio Systems. And, and just take a look, read, educate yourself, and at least know what's next and potentially uh, might be uh, or should be on your plate when planning the next steps with your security culture. Well, thank you very much. We'll be sure to link to those in the episode description. So please check that if you're interested in learning a little bit more. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciated you having you on. We hope you've enjoyed this episode concerning hardware security, insider threat, and how COVID is changing these sort of security concerns. Please join us next time. And in the meantime, if you're looking for updates on Decrypted, follow us on Twitter at Decrypted Podcast, or you can always reach out to us at our email, decryptedpodcast at gmail.com, if you had any episode suggestions or guest suggestions. As always, thank you for listening and stay safe out there.